You're listening to the Covenant Original Series, Habits. Failing to reach a goal isn't failure. However, not building a system to reach your goal is. In today's teaching, we'll be examining the life of Daniel to see how creating a system that drives our preferred daily habits will always lead us to reaching our goals. I want to open up with a passage found in the New Living Translation. Actually, I really like this translation for a couple of these verses. It's found in Zechariah. And Zechariah is a minor prophet. He's a prophet nonetheless. And Zechariah writes this. And I think I really want to start us off with this. It's in Zechariah 4.10. I'm just going to read it to you this morning. It says this. Do not despise small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. Do not despise small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see work begin. I think that as we began this new series last week talking about habits, I, I think we came to the conclusion last week that we live in a, in a, in a culture that, that really likes to have things now. We like it big. We like it fast. We want it immediately, right? And so we have this idea that if it doesn't start huge, if it doesn't begin massive, then it is indeed a massive failure. I love the calming, reassuring words of Zechariah saying, don't, 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 don't despise small beginnings. Don't despise them. And so today, as we continue this talk about habits and we examine the life of one man who not only had a habit, but created a system surrounding that habit, shaping his life in a kingdom, I really want to echo these same words to you this morning. Because I know for me, sometimes I can feel like a small fish in a big pond. You ever felt that way? Yeah? It's going to be really bad if you don't talk back to me today. Come on now. You ever feel that way? You ever feel like your life, you ever feel like your life isn't that important? feel like your life, like you're not making the difference you hoped you'd make, the, you're not making the impact that you hoped, that you thought. You turn on the TV and you see, you see celebrities, you see people of great fame or wealth, and you see them doing this, and they're going there, and they're talking with this person and shaping this culture, and you're like, what did I, I ate Wendy's today, what did I do? You know what I mean? And scripture's reminding us, no, 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 don't despise small beginnings. In fact, I would say that we serve a God who loves it when it starts small. You think about Jesus Christ, born to, born to a nobody in the middle of nowhere as a tiny child. And so as we talk about this idea today of start, starting small, starting somewhere, I want you to take notes. We're a church that worships not only in spirit, but also in, in truth. So we want to take these, these thoughts, these notes, these ideas, whatever God might be speaking to us through his word, take them into our small groups. And by the way, we just released our new, released our new small group, our, our Covenant Life magazine. Make sure and grab one of these. Uh, this is a really great thing to pick up. Our team does a great job putting this together. Um, and I, I got to say, I'm really proud of our Sea Life groups. Look at all these groups, all these bubbles. There's one in here that I think, she's really pretty. That's my wife. Um, can we get a highlight on that, Luke? Can you zoom in on that? Is that possible? Okay. Um, and then there I am. If you get a highlight of that one too, I'd like that. Um, no, you know what? It's, it's really cool because these are such great groups. And we just started a bunch of new groups. And a bunch of our new groups that we just started one weekend are full. That's a good problem to have. And, and I'm so, I just want to say this, okay? I'm really proud of you as a church. I'm really proud of you because you know that Sunday is just the start. It would be very easy for you. It would be very easy for us to just show up on a Sunday and not do anything else the rest of the week but that's not who we are. Amen? Not only that, we, we know Sunday is just the start. We invest in life change. We're building this together. 
And such a high percentage of you, almost double that of an average healthy church in America, almost double percentage of you are involved in a small group week to week or biweekly. That is awesome. But we need more of you to lead. (laughs) We need more apprentices. We need more of you to step up to the plate, to host a small group, to lead a small group, because our small groups, most of them are brimming to the top with people. That's a good problem to have. But I'm, I'm really thankful for you and you stepping up to do that. So we're back in this. I want you to take notes. I want you to write this down. And, and I want you to write this down. Start somewhere. In fact, look at your neighbor right now and say, start somewhere. Come on, nice and loud. Start somewhere. I think sometimes in our life, we have a failure to launch. We just don't start at all. And, and in this series where we've been talking about our habits, I want you to begin thinking about your last normal day. Sundays are an abnormal day. What's your last normal day? What did it look like at the beginning of your day, the beginning of your work day? And maybe you might say, well, I'm a stay-at-home parent. Hey, FYI, that's a full-time job, and you probably need a raise. <laughs> Can I just get an amen? Yeah? Yeah, exactly. Um, but what, is the, what does a normal day look like? What's your normal work day look like? Here's what I know. The odds are very, very, very high that what you did on that day was very, very similar to what you did on another normal day. Like we tend to just do the same things over and over from day to the next day to the next day. Like if your alarm woke you up that day, you probably were awakened by alarm that, an alarm the day before. If you're one of those people that can awaken naturally and your sleep cycle is just beautiful thing, first off, I hate you. But the other part of it, <laughs> the other part of it is that's probably how you woke up the day before that. Um, you, you know, but you probably went downstairs, used the restroom, and maybe you did something like check your social media, check your email, maybe you read your Bible, maybe you did a little workout, perhaps you made coffee, got some food, you probably took a shower, which is a good thing. You probably got to work in a similar way as you did the day before, right? You probably worked with the same people, did similar things, probably got home in the same way which you drove. What's very scary is that most people don't even remember driving to and from work. You ever have that moment? Have you ever? Okay, don't be a liar. Have you ever had that moment? Have you ever gotten somewhere and you're like, oh my gosh, I don't even remember driving here. You have? Yeah? So I'm not the only one? Okay, good. Um, That happens sometimes. That's a scary thing, especially if you think that you have teenagers that are going to be on the road soon. It's very scary. Uh, So you like have these things that you just kind of automatically do. Like you just kind of automatically got home. You probably had a normal night routine. Maybe you work out in the evening or maybe you do fast food or maybe you cook a meal and nobody thanks you for it just like every other day, right? Maybe you bathe your children. Maybe there's a bunch of them and one always escapes and is, is the weird wild child who's always naked for some reason with food all over his face climbing things, right? You know, do we all experience? Is this just me? No? Okay. Um, maybe your animals have escaped out of their pens again and you find yourself, I don't know, at 11 a.m. chasing pigs around your yard. You know, just normal everyday things that we all experience. Yeah, the fact of the matter is, it's, it's really interesting. We will just kind of do the same thing over and over. A lot of similarities. In fact, if you're taking notes, write this down. Much of what you normally do isn't a result of conscious choices, but rather it's a result of daily habits. Most of what you do isn't a result of, day, of, of conscious choices, but of daily habits. In fact, in 2006, Duke University did a study where they found that almost nearly 40% of all the actions taken in one day are the result of habit, not choice. 40%, 90% of 
Nearly 40% of all the actions taken in any given day are not a result of decisions, but a result of habits. So here's the idea. If you want to change who you're becoming in life, you have to change your habits. I'm going to be honest with you. This is one of those moments where I feel like an incredible hypocrite as a pastor. Because it's one thing to preach a thing, it's another thing to apply a thing. I think this is one of the areas in my life that I want to shift and change and grow better in, but I also feel very strongly to speak about it to us as a community. So give me grace in doing that. Amen? Yes? I came across this phrase, and I just think it's so good, and and it has a lot, I think, to do with, with my soul at times, and maybe it will resonate with you. It's this. You are what you do, not what you say you'll do. Man, that goes down hard, doesn't it? You are what you do, not what you say you do. Now, you can ask my wife this. Um, I often have, she calls them like epiphanies. I, also, I, I often have these epiphanies, and I will text my wife a novel. This, and this, and this, and this, this. And she'll write, okay. And I'll be like, I just texted you the complete works of Travis Davenport. Like, why are you not responding in kind, right? And what I'll say is this. You are what you do, not what you say you, you'll do. And you are a result of your habits, small decisions made over time. And what's interesting about this is if you were here with us last week, you know that most of us actually have similar goals, don't we? As people, like most of us have similar goals. Think about it. We all want good relationships. We all want, if you're a Christian, you want to be close to God. You want to make a difference, see a difference in the world. I don't know anybody who wants to be drowning and suffocating in debt Most of us want some type of financial freedom or flexibility. Most of us want to be healthy. And so the reality is that that many of us have similar goals, but we have dramatically different results. Why? Why is that? It's because, as we discovered last week, goals don't determine success. Systems determine success. And I would also say this. You will not rise to the level of your goals, but you will fall to the standard or the level of your systems. Let me just say that again. You don't rise to the level of your goals. You fall to the level of your systems. And so I want to talk today about systems from a spiritual perspective. A spiritual perspective. And, and don't try to like parcel these things out. Don't try to think that habit forming and systems and, and systematizing things is not a spiritual issue. It is. And you're like, oh, well, I don't see God talking about systems. Hey, God created the solar system. God works often in a systematic way. We study systematic theology. God is truth. Not only that, he created your brain, your mind to function in a certain way. Your your chemistry, your, your DNA, your biological makeup, it functions in a certain way. And I believe the Bible gives us, if I could use this terminology, I think the Bible gives us a way to hack our biology. I think the scriptures give us a way in which we can hack the sin flesh that we have and live in a much better way. Amen? And so I, I want to talk about that through a man that maybe you know, maybe you don't. His name is Daniel. Now, when I say the word Daniel, you probably know who this guy is. Uh, if you're like me, raised in church, you know the story of Daniel and the... Of course. Yeah, some of you are like, I don't even go to church, Lenny, that one, right? Like Daniel Lyons then. Man, Daniel, the story of Daniel is amazing. And we know part of the story. We know that he's tossed in this lion's den. The lions don't eat him. God sends an angel, shuts the mouth of the lion. Then the best part of the story for me, 
growing up because I saw the story laid out on a flannel graph. Amen. Can I get anybody over 70 here? Get with me on that. Amen. All right. Yeah. I had to play it. You're like, if you're first time at church, like what's a flannel graph? I don't have time to go into the technical details of old school church, but just understand it was amazing. Okay. So flannel graph and you see Daniel, they toss Daniel into the lion's den and then they pull him out. And the best part of the story for me was then they took the people that told on Daniel and they put Daniel in the lion's den. And I promise you this, there was a flannel graph of a man whose leg was in the jaw of a lion and he was screaming. Greatest flannel graph ever, apart from Jonah being eaten whole by a whale. Those are my two favorite flannel graphs. I love those things. But there's more, more to the story of Daniel. In fact, Daniel was a man who was brought from another country as a young man. He was one of 120 people who were being, being evaluated for the leadership. And he, he stood out. He was top. He was the best. Out of all of them, he had exceptional qualities. In fact, here's what scripture has to say in Daniel chapter 6. <clears throat> Daniel chapter 6, starting verse 3. says, Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps. Satrap and official are almost one and the same. They're people in authority. Think about presidents. Think about princes. It says, and he was in that position because of an excellent spirit that was within him. And the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. I love how the New Living Translation puts it. It says, Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all the other administrators and high officers because of Daniel's great ability. Let me hear you say the word ability. ability. Come on, church. Let me hear you say the word ability. 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 Daniel had something something that he did, something that he not only acquired, but something that he grew in. It was an ability. And it says that the king made plans to place him over the entire empire. What in the world was it that Daniel had that made him stand out? What was it that made him who he was? He might've had a spirit of excellence. Maybe he had great leadership skills. Maybe he had great relational currency that he can build with people. But, but there was something, we don't know exactly what it was, but there was something about Daniel that made him stand out Whereas there was another 120 individuals that did not. He was the top. But before we answer the question, I also have to tell you this. Not only was that taking place in his life, was he going to be established as a king, basically a king over this kingdom. He's going to be a ruler. Um, the idea is also that as he grew in stature, he got some, as we would call them today, haters. He got some people that wanted to take him out. Now, how many of you have ever been a victim of a hater? How many of you have ever been in a place where you took a new job and you did such a great job that you were promoted very quickly and you made everybody else look bad? Not because you talked smack, not because you talked bad, but just because you did a good job. And so now everything was cool when you were all hanging out around here in mediocrity, but all of a sudden you began to shine and you began to grow and they began to hate. Anybody feel me on that? This oftentimes happens when you are growing in what you're doing, when you're getting better, when you're growing in your ability. Daniel had these people. In fact, in Daniel chapter 6, we read in verse 4, it says, Then the high officials and the satraps sought to find ground, a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom. But they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful and no error was found in him. No fault or error was found in him. They wanted to trip him up, but they couldn't find a way to do it. They couldn't fly, find a flaw. They couldn't find a weakness. So they determined the only way that they could set him up was to go through his faith. They, he, Daniel was known to be a faithful man. And so they went to the king and they started, for lack of a better term, blowing some smoke up a skirt. 
and they would say, oh, king, you are wonderful. You're the best king ever. Like everybody follows you on Instagram. Like you have, you are awesome. You are great. You are, per- you are wonderful. And he's like, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And they said, we've got this idea. We want to do this campaign, King. For the next 30 days, we want everybody just to pray for you and pray to you. We're going to say, like, we want the king's health. We want his wisdom. We want safety. His dominion will reign forever and ever. Amen, amen, you know. And the king's like, that sounds great. And like, oh, by the way, the people that if they pray to any other, any other being, a god or whatever, like, we don't think they should live. We're going to throw them, like, into a pit filled with lions. Does that sound good? And the king's like, sure, that's great. <laughs> not realizing in that moment how arrogant, narcissistic, how awful, how evil that is and how that was going to tentatively eliminate Daniel because Daniel stood out. And the very thing that got him in this pickle was the very thing that made him who he was. And I would argue it was a system, one very small habit that over time shaped his identity and gave him confidence to be who God had called him to be. Notice this, this system. Daniel chapter 6, verse 10 says, When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he has windows in the upper chamber up open towards Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave, gave thanks before God. Don't miss it now. Stop. Tune in. You're about to see the system. Look. He gave thanks before God. Look at now very carefully. As he had, read this, down, read this with me, as he had done previously, as he had, do you see the system? Daniel prayed as he had previously. What did Daniel do? Not once a day, not twice a day, but three times a day. Not when it was convenient, not when it was easy, not when he'd watched every single Amazon Prime show, but every single day. He stopped. He sought God. He listened to the voice of God. He brought his burdens before God. He petitioned God. He let God direct his steps three times a day as he had done before. In other words, he prioritized his life around intimate time with his heavenly father. What did Daniel do? He lived a habit, a system, a fellowship of intimacy, time with God, one small discipline. And what I would say to you is this. It's what we started with. Never underestimate how God, how our God can start something big through one small habit. Come on, church. Never underestimate what our God can start through one small habit. Never underestimate what God might do. Something special, something magnificent, something huge, something that impacts a generation of people. And it starts with one simple, small act of obedience. Our God, don't you know this about our God? Our God loves to take small acts of faithfulness and do something special through those things. In fact, once again, just to reiterate, listen to this passage from Zechariah. Don't despise small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. And just to give you kind of an idea, years ago, you know, a long time ago, I determined that I wanted to be close with Jesus. And so I, I, you know, I I realized that intimacy with God, it doesn't just happen. You just don't wake up one day and you're like, whoa, I'm magically close to God. That doesn't happen. There's not like a a spirit uh, waterfall that washes over you and you go from not knowing God at all to all of a sudden having the intimate knowledge of God. No, it's a discipline. So I decided a long time ago, as many of you have, that we're going to spend, that I'm going to spend time every day in God's word. 
Later on, I started dating this, this girl. She's beautiful. And it's, it's the same girl I married, by the way. And, um, and we made this choice that being in church together every single week was going to be our high priority. And I can be honest with you. There has not been a one time in our family with our kids that our kids have come to us on a Thursday and been like, hey, dad, mom, we thinking about church on Sunday or just kind of trying to light up my calendar? What's going on this weekend? No, like it's never a question. Like that's a priority in our home. It's a small decision, but over time it has become a priority and a system. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's become a system. Reading scripture, that's a small decision, but it's become uh, more than a habit. It's become a system from which I base our life around. I I mean, I'm going to be real, real with you, really real. My wife and I, we tithe. And I'm not not telling you that because I'm trying to like bolster myself up. Um, I'm letting you know that that's hard sometimes. That's hard. It's hard to tithe sometimes. It's hard when you write a check at the end of the month and it's one of the largest bills you have in your house. That's hard. But early on, we made the decision. We created a system where in which we said, this is of value to us. This is what we will do. This is a choice. This is not just a habit. This is a system that we will live our life around. And my question is this, what is it that you're trying to do and who is it that you're trying to become? And based on who you want to become, what one habit do you need to start? Based on who God is calling you to be, what is one small discipline that will move you into that direction? And I want to tell you right now, it's probably better if it's not big. It's probably better if it's not big. Like quite honestly, maybe it's just Bible before Instagram. Simple. Before you check your Instagram, maybe spend time in scripture. Maybe it could be incredibly small. Before I pull up social media, I'm going to do my my Bible reading plan for the day. I'm going to pray with my kids before they go to bed. Just one simple, simple prayer. What do you do based on who you want to become? If you say, I want to be a person that cares about others, write a note a day to somebody. If you say, I want to be known as a prayer warrior, ask somebody for one prayer request today. Be a godly example to your kid. You want to be a person who's focused. Take out a little note card and write out the three priorities. Like The understanding and the implementation of these things are endless, but you have to ask the question, based on who you want to become, what new habit, what one new habit do you need to implement now? What new system do you want that will take you from where God has you now to where God wants you in the future. Am I making sense? What is the one thing? What is one small step? Now, let me say this. Some of you are like, well, listen, I don't, I don't, I don't do systems. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. You either have a system by intent or by default. Like we all do. Your system may be to hit the snooze button, wake up late, kick the cat, yell at the kids. By the way, I'm not against that whole kicking the cat part. Uh, kick the cat, yell at the kids, drive like a madman all the way to work. Your hair's wet, putting makeup on, get to work, be grumpy all day, come home, yell at the kids, go to bed, feel guilty. That's a system. It's not a good one. <laughs> it's not a good one, but that is a system. What new habit based on who God wants you to become do you need to create? Now, there's a lot of books you could read that talk about discipline and habits, but they, they all kind of sim- are all kind of very similar in, in this fact. They, ha- they talk about this thing called the habit loop. Anybody ever heard of the habit loop? Habit loop? It's this idea that there is a trigger, okay, there's a trigger, and then there's an action, and then there is uh, a reward. The trigger, the action, the reward. 
So basically, it kind of works like this. You're feeling a little bit, you know, sad. You trigger. Um, you walk by a fridge. Ah. You take out food, eat it. Action, reward, dopamine. There's a quick rush. Do you see what I'm saying? And then, and then it resets. Now it's back to the trigger. Um, you, 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 know, you drive by an old girlfriend's house, and that's the trigger. Maybe the action is to stop and call. That's the action. And then you talk. There's the response. There's the reward. And then it resets to the trigger. Do you see what I'm saying? Or maybe when you hang out with a group of guys, you, you generally do the same thing. Trigger, action, reward. Trigger, action. And so the idea is we need to manipulate our trigger and our action. We need to set ourselves up for success. We can do this. We can hack the system. And so here's what I want you to do. Two things. To make habits. To form habits. Some people are just like, you just need to do it for 28 days straight. No. No. Because after 28 days, you just go back. Right? It's like everybody's like, I've stopped smoking 400 times. Right? It's like, no. You, we have to hack that system. And here's the two things. We need to make it obvious and we need to make it easy. You guys are going to talk more about this in your C-Life groups, but I want you to write this down. You got to make it obvious and you got to make it easy. The first thing we're going to do is we're going to make it obvious. If you want to change what you do, then you got to change what we see. Make the trigger obvious. Like this. Let's make this painfully obvious. If you want to take vitamins each and every day, before you go to bed, set the vitamins out on the table. And then when you walk downstairs, whoa, it's obvious. And they're right there. Whoa. I wouldn't say easy. Some of those things are the size of a, you know, a walnut. But yeah, obvious, easy. If you want to spend time in scripture before you go to bed, take your Bible the night before, the day before, right? After you make your bed, which you should do, and place that Bible, open it up on your pillow with a pen right there, underlining the verse you're going to read. Then you walk into your bedroom and there it is. Obvious, trigger, obvious, reading, easy. And you've done it. Just keep doing this. One of the things in our home is uh, because we have, we have 17 kids living in our home um, at all times. Actually, five. feels like 17. And um, Sunday mornings are kind of crazy. Now, here's what you don't know. Sunday mornings with five kids is crazy with two parents. But my wife does this all on her own because I'm here. So it's even crazier for her, Right? And so Sunday night, one of the things that my wife does is she'll go through and, and she'll get all the clothes out, all the socks out, all the, all the other clothing out, and she'll lay out everything, lay out everything for breakfast. Everything is ready to go. Why? Because then it's obvious. Then it's, I'm not going to say that's easy, easier. <laughs> there we go. Obvious and easy. Start small and go from there. What's the opposite? So many of us are like, no, 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 I'm going to read through the Bible in one year and you made it three weeks into January. <laughs> and you're like, I really got caught up in Genesis 3. I just couldn't do it anymore. Okay. Start small and grow from there. Start small and grow from there. Make a small habit, a small daily decision. Like here should be a goal. Read one verse a day. And you're like, that's not enough. Oh, let's be honest. That's a whole lot more than you're doing right now. And guess what? I bet in a month, you'll probably want to be wanting to be reading two verses. And before long, you probably will be reading more like a chapter. Start small and grow from there. You're building 
a system. In fact, I want you to write this down. If you're taking notes, write this down. We're going to finish this up in, in just a few minutes, but I want you to write this down. Here it is, right? Here we go. After blank, I will blank. Very practical, very simple. After, and there's a space, I will space. After blank, I will blank. Here's Daniel. Daniel's system would have sounded like this. After I eat my eggs, I pray. After I eat my lunch, I pray. After I eat my dinner, I pray. I do this, and then I do this action. I will do blank after blank. Maybe it's, I, I, I might, it might be this. After I drink my coffee, I will read one Bible verse. For many of you, that's a whole lot of Bible verses. After I put my kids to bed, I do a 30-second plank or a three-second plank. After I brush my teeth, I journal one sentence. After I journal one sentence, I grab my spouse's hand and we thank God for one thing. Here's what I can tell you. Successful people do consistently what other people do occasionally. People who are close to God are close to God intentionally. People who are close to God are close because they have implemented certain disciplines in their life. They are not better than you. They are not more special than you. Sometimes y'all look at each other like some of you are Billy Graham and some of you are, are the opposite, whatever that is. And I'm telling you, the same Jesus in their life is the same Jesus in your life. They have just intentionally chosen to work within a system that pushes them closer to Christ each day. Each one of us have to decide who we want to be. I realized a while ago in my goals, I did not find the satisfaction that I sought. Now I'm going to be really very open and very real here. This is an area that I struggle with, satisfaction. I know most of you would probably not struggle with feeling fulfilled or satisfied. I'm sure you are fulfilled and satisfied in every aspect of your life. But for me, this is an area that I struggle with sometimes. Sometimes I count the number of people that attend our church and I don't feel satisfied. Sometimes I look at the number at the end of my checking account and I don't feel fulfilled. Sometimes I see how my children behave in a public place and I don't feel happy. Anybody ever feel this way? Sometimes I walk by a mirror and I look when I'm at Target and I'm just like, who is that? Oh my gosh, that's me. You know? Anybody? And I have this way of not being satisfied in things that I know were never designed to satisfy me. And I know that. But I still struggle with that. And I even struggle with it in my goals. Thinking that what I achieve will bring me a certain level of fulfillment. But they're just means goals. They're the ends. Like they're not the end goal. They're, the, they're just the means to an end. They're so goals. You know what I mean? We all have those. Like, like I, I, like I want to get good grades so I can go to good school, so I can get a degree, so I can get a good job, so I can make enough money, so I can take her out on a date, so she'll marry me, so we'll have a good honeymoon, so we can raise a family, so I can get a nice house, so on and so on. I've realized that so many of my goals have so on the other side of it. The problem is, whenever there's a so on the other side of it, then happiness 
fulfillment, contentment, and joy is always deferred to a future time. Always. Never get it. Never get there. There's always something else out there. It's always in the future. And what I've realized is that instead of setting means goals, what I want to do is set an end goal. What I mean by this is this. The only end that I can find on the other side of every so is not a what, but a who. It's not a what, but a who. The only end goal that ever seems to matter is me becoming more like Christ. That is my goal. That must be our goal. It is the only goal that satisfies more like Christ, more of anything. Why would I ever want it unless I could use it for his glory? More of Christ. And if that becomes the driving source of your life, listen then, then success is not somewhere out there. Success is found now, today, here. Because for so many of us, we think that we have to set certain goals, establish certain habits, get out of a certain thing, and then Jesus will love us. Then Christ will accept us. Then we can become the ro- get on the road to recovery. And what I'm telling you is no, Jesus is not just the road to recovery. He is the answer for your recovery and he gets you to the end now. He saves you now. He fills you now. He satisfies you now. He heals you now. He loves you now, now. We have the opportunity to be successful in our life with him. Now we have the opportunity to become like Christ. And that should be the root and that should be the goal of every one of our habits. Every one of the systems that we place in our life. And I'll tell you what, that is why Daniel stood out. Above everyone else, his commitment to the Lord. That he would not back down. I haven't really thought about it from this perspective. But Daniel was a young man at this point in time. He knew about the decree to be thrown into a den of lions if somebody prayed. He could have shut his windows, but he didn't. Why? Because Daniel was awesome? Yes. But Daniel had a system, and that system had to be followed. The system was, open my windows, get down on my knees, and pray to my God. And even death won't stop me from walking through this system that God has placed me in. So I'm excited for you to walk through the implications and the deeper understandings of this with your small group this week. If you don't have one, you need to get into one. Stop by our table in the back, grab one of those magazines, visit a group. We have groups that meet all throughout the week. We have different men-centered groups. We have lady-focused groups. We have groups for students, for junior hires and high schoolers alike. There's a group for you. If we could, I just want us to bow our heads and close our eyes this morning as we prepare to dismiss. And I want us just to kind of open up our minds, open up our hearts right now as we have this closing time together. And I want you to ask yourself this question. What is one habit? What is one small step I need to take in my life today? What is one small thing? Like, don't, don't go for the Hail Mary. Go for the handoff. <laughs> I like that. Don't go for the three-pointer. Go for the layup. 
Like maybe reading, you know, an entire book of the Bible today. I'm going to read the entire book of the Bible. I'm going to read an entire Bible. Maybe that's a little much. Maybe just read a verse. You know, maybe you don't need to call down Holy Spirit fire and pray with your spouse tonight. Maybe you just hold her hand and just thank God for one thing today. Maybe you don't need to lead every single one of your kids to Jesus tonight. <laughs> but maybe you could pray for them before they go to sleep. See what I mean? Don't despise the small thing. Thanks for listening to this message from Covenant Church. For more information on our ministries or to hear more messages just like this, visit us at covenantchurch.us.